Hello listeners and welcome to Making It Make Sense with Isaiah, Jasper, and Theo. Make sure you go hit that like button, subscribe, and rate us on Spotify, Anchor, and Apple Podcasts. We put out new episodes weekly, so you want to make sure you don't miss a single thing. And while you're there, you can also leave us a comment or two. Or, if you want to reach us more directly, you can DM us on our official Instagram at Making It Make Sense with IJT, or you can also email us at Making It Make Sense with IJT at gmail.com. Hey, welcome back to Making It Make Sense with Isaiah, Jasper, and Theo. Hello, guys. <laughs> hello, hello, America. We're going to be talking about um, addiction tonight. We're going to be having a discussion about it. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and before we um, start, we want to give you some information just in case you know, you're dealing with some addiction or you know someone that's dealing with uh, an addiction. Absolutely. Um, So from the, uh, you can reach the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration at 1-800-662-HELP. Help is going to be 4357. Again, that's 1-800-662-HELP. They are free, confidential, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, and 365-day-a-year treatment referrals and information services for individuals and families facing mental and or substance abuse disorders. Um, So please reach out um, to them uh, if you or someone else you know um, is suffering and needs additional help. And on that note, let's get it. Let's get started. So Isaiah, let's let's start with you. You're going to start off with us tonight? You want to start off or (laughs) do random? I mean, you know what? Because I just talked y'all little heads off when we were just privately talking. So, like, so Jasper, please, or Theo, if you guys, you know. Well, um, let's like, let the folks know the reason that we are speaking about this is because recently the actor Michael K. Williams passed away of possible overdose. Yes. And Michael K. Williams, who, for me... I don't know him from The Wire because I've never seen The Wire. Yes. I, I know him from like different movies. And uh, the last thing I know him from was from Lovecraft Country, mm-hmm. which I think was uh, the best that he did. And I didn't even know that he suffered from substance um, issues. So mm-hmm. this was all like surprising to me. I felt like, oh, my God, somebody killed him or somebody broke into his apartment. Mm hmm. It was this, but, you know, I looked up some information and it said like 7,000 people died from drug overdose in the year 2019. They still haven't come up with the data for 2020. So that was the year of COVID. So you can imagine. Yeah, I'm afraid for that number. Um, I mean, honestly, just because, you know, this year of this year, I, I swear, I always say this year because you know, I think you guys can agree it feels like 2020 and 2021 just kind of ran together. But, um, you know, the amount of people, especially at the beginning of 
or the onset of the pandemic, you know, when a lot of people or everyone really was, you know, some level of quarantined um, and didn't have the same level of access, um, you know, physically in a lot of ways even, um, you know, to get help um, or to, you know, reach out and share with someone that, um, you know, they had, they were suffering from addiction. Um, You know, it was very, I think in the way that, you know, many of us, you know, felt very isolated um, and closed off. I think that, you know, went dually for people suffering from addiction and people that, you know, felt then at that time that they didn't have the same level of support because, you know, maybe in your particular particular situation, you had to, you know, suffer alone because you lived alone. So you did you lived alone, but then you lived alone with the demons that you were suffering from, you know, oh. with addiction. So, you know, it's 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 always easier to. I mean, I guess in my, from my opinion, my thought process, it's always easier when you're suffering like that to not have to suffer alone, to be able to have support and someone to lean on, you know. And you and during this pandemic, whatever demons you were dealing with, mm-hmm. they seem to have come out like a full force during the oh pandemic. God. Like yeah. if you were in an abusive relationship, it became even more abusive. And you had substance issues, you indulge more in your substances. So, like, it magnified everything. If you were a child that was experiencing child abuse, it magnified that even more. And unfortunately, some folks maybe did not come out of this pandemic or this quarantine time being their best selves. Mm-hmm. And now they have to go back into the real world and or back into the world of socializing like quote-unquote normal with all this new added trauma that before there was a relief but you know we were quarantined and i you know i am for you know i fortunately don't suffer from any substance use or any severe mental health issues uh, but I can imagine those that did. And I, you know, I have the luxury of coming out of quarantine, hopefully a better Theo. And um, substances are not for me. I don't, you know, I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I live a very sober lifestyle. But that's also because I know there are a lot of addicts in my um, side of the family, uh, my dad's side of the family. So I make sure that I stay away from drugs and alcohol because I don't know what any of those things might trigger inside my DNA mm-hmm. or in my mental health. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm very clean in that way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I don't even like the taste of alcohol. I think alcohol is just, <laughs> which is a very odd thing to say, because a lot of folks don't think that way. But I really, you know, and I, you know, I always, you know, I, I thank Black Jesus <laughs> that, you know, that isn't my struggle. But I also ask black Jesus to look after those people who it, that is their struggle. Yeah. And, you know, addiction and mental health, you know, those are not things that are that anybody chooses. Addiction is a disease. Mental health issues is something that you just can't help. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's, 
it's sad, you know, you know, seeing people who try best to overcome those demons and you know, they 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 hear they they don't the demons eventually overtake them and then you see them, you know, succumb to that. It's 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 sad and heartbreaking because you know, people fight every day to to try and and stay sober, to try to get clean, to try to clean up their lives, they they try to they try to you know get rid of those demons and you know it's not easy because when you're battling addiction, some people have thirty years, forty years of an addictions of an addiction and. You know, you can't overcome four year addiction overnight, and so it's hard to really break that cycle of it, especially when it's in the, if a if it's in a family cycle where you histories of addiction, and then the cycle's not broken and it's continuous. It's it's you know it's it's a tragic uh, disease, and you know and it, it's a, it is hitting um, the black community. Like our, our community is like heavily affected by it because you know it's 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 in. You know those low income areas. It's hitting those poverty stricken people, mm-hmm. um, even in people with money too. You know, because they can afford the access to 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 get quantities of drugs to intake. And you know, yeah. now that this epidemic of of the uh, opioids and fentanyl, fentanyl, yeah, fentanyl, mm-hmm. like it's become an <laughs> epidemic because now they're being ingested they're being put in drugs you know and mm-hmm. you know because uh there was uh a um comedian who died died from a drug overdose as well and he ingested some drugs that relates with that particular drug um mm-hmm. and um you know it's scary because these dealers are and they're not being they, they don't care and so they're they're giving them mm-hmm. drugs. They they think that they are getting drugs of their choice, but they're getting drugs that are being tampered with. So you know, and then that becomes an addiction because now you're addicted to multiple drugs. Now you're hooked on not just one, you're hooked on two or three drugs all at the same time. So it's it's it's, it's a disease that's spiraling. It's constantly um, just destroying um, our community and it, it specifically, you know. And you know, seventy two percent. Opioids are a factor in seven overdose deaths in um here in America. So that's like seventy two percent. Yeah. Yeah, it's not surprising. It's it's fortunately like it's become this popular thing. Like over these last couple of years it just became become this thing of George or drug of choice that everyone's doing. They they going in and they want that high, they want that adrenaline rush from it. So it's Become this addictive thing that is 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 now but, mainstream. It's become but mainstream. I, but I really love, and I also hate the way that things are being dealt with. And I wish that the same kind of grace and the same kind of understanding was paid to the folks in the eighties and early nineties mm-hmm. when when there was the crack epidemic. Yes. Uh, this same information existed back then, mm-hmm. but instead of showing them grace and understanding that this is an addiction, that this is a disease, these people are not criminals, they have an ailment, let's give them therapy, let's give them drug counseling, so on and so forth. They criminalize these folks mm-hmm. and therefore had a ripple effect of a generation of people that grew up without 
mothers and fathers and stable families. Instead, they were put into a broken system. And you have adults that had to fight through the broken system that are some, some you know, are broken and still dealing with that trauma. Today in the opioid uh, epidemic, they have therapy. Let's give them counseling. Let's, give them, let's take them to drug treatment facilities. And they're viewing them from the lens of their addicts. They have a disease. Let's treat the disease with love and compassion and empathy and a whole lot of grace. Because mm-hmm. it wasn't the, prop, the, the thing before. And hopefully they continue to do this because addiction is not anyone's fault. Absolutely. And that's, I think the other thing is, you know, it did come from this, even, you know, even just in within communities, you know, it was always, and I've even, I mean, unfortunately, I, um, I heard someone say this uh, about two years ago now, um, like, and it was crazy for me because I'm like, in present day, you're saying this? Like, oh, well, you know, that's no one's fault but theirs. And and I remember thinking, like, first of all, I, I no longer wish to engage in conversation with this person. But also, I thought to myself, why is it, why is it their fault? You know, why is this addiction, this demon that they're battling, why is this their fault? Obviously, this is something that's bigger than them. And they need help. They don't need your judgment about it. They need rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they don't need yeah. to be there. They already, they already, are, you know, have been or are going to be, you know, literally criminalized for for this. You know, they don't need to be criminalized socially by you as well. Um, so it's, it's just kind of, you know, it, it, there's a shift. There's a shift that's happened, but we still got we got a little ways to go. We have, you know, we have more improvements to make but there definitely is a lot more happening now you know in a positive direction in the way that we're viewing it as a society and the way that we're tackling those issues now versus you know the way people used to talk about it and little pockets of people that still do view it that way unfortunately and they need to stay away those little pockets absolutely they need to just be that and be eradicated but anyway <laughs> uh- <laughs> can you imagine being an addict and going to a friend and that person is your friend mm-hmm. like an addict someone who's is an uh an addict or has the disease of addiction does not need to be reminded or needs to be chastised i you know from my understanding folks who are addicts know that they're addicts and if oh, they yeah. could control this disease just like you know someone who has cancer they're aware they have cancer and if they could not have cancer they will not have cancer so if someone did not want to, you know, be an alcoholic or be addicted to opioids or crack cocaine or whatever the drug is, they themselves, I don't think anyone wants to be in that condition. Yeah. So we should always, you know, once again, I learned, show grace, mm-hmm. be supportive and all the proactive ways to be supportive to a person who has an addiction. And when you are unable and do not know what the proper words are, redirect them to someone or something that could. But please don't come with that. Can you imagine? It's your fault that you relapsed. Oh, my God. 
I'd be like, and it's your fault. I'm about to put my shoe up your behind, but we can we could talk. Like, like what? That's crazy. And, and I even with Michael K. Williams, I imagine this man was talented, was famous. Can you imagine what drove him? Because I saw an interview about him, and I've re- read a lot about addiction, and I've had experiences with people who are addicts that before you take the substance that you know makes her an addict before you drink the 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 alcohol before you take the heroin before you take the crack mm-hmm. before you take the opioid you relapse way before then mm-hmm. relapsing is a process that is uh, uh, that leads to then the substance use that helps support everything that you're going through Mm-hmm. And can you imagine being this person and what drives you to such a dark place? Because he was like a light yeah. from what I'm hearing from people. He was a light for me in all the shows and all the movies that I've seen him in. You know, he was in Boardwalk Empire, too. That yes, he was. Thinking. I, I was. I was, try, was racking my brain over that. Um, you know, I've also, I'm going to say this, too. I think that, and, and maybe this also goes in line, too, with, you know, this kind of, this kind of, like, um, and I think it's it's people are seeing beyond it a little bit more now, obviously, but this kind of like, oh, I'm fine culture or I'm okay. You know, like, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. How are you? No, I'm actually not good. You know, and there's like all these things behind you, right? So it's th- that kind of idea of like someone is, is they have this kindness in them and this light about them that is just infectious to everyone else, right? And it's just it's 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 just full of positivity but then inside it's it's a testament to like you really don't know what's going on like inside people's hearts and minds you know and what they're going through privately mm-hmm. and what they're battling alone and you know because that's the other tough thing is you know i feel like that even if you have somebody walking along the way with you sometimes the inside it 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 feels like you're alone, you know, with anything that you're going through sometimes. And I think that's, that's, I think what hits people really deeply too is knowing that someone was so positive and they were so gracious and so kind. And, you know, they were this like beacon of light. And then to see something like that happen to a person like that, this darkness, it, it's right. It, because they, they were overcome, you know, by, by that darkness, by, by that demon they were fighting it's it's a, just really devastating because you're like wow how come that person had to had to be going through that alone but they made it a point every day to make everyone else feel so good you know, you know it's what... sad it, 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 it uh it is sad because you like you said you know when the, that's the thing for me sir is with Addiction is the relapsing because, mm-hmm. you know, like Michael K. Williams, he he had a he had a drug addiction for years, and like nobody really knew he was struggling with this addiction. I didn't. Um, Not him, either. and then you know we lost DMX before him. We lost DMX. He also had an addiction for years. Yeah. Um, he he went into rehab. He was he relapsed, and then you know we lost yeah. uh 
Frankie Lyons, who's Keisha Cole's mother, she had addiction for years. She went she went to rehab. She relapsed and died on her actual birthday. So these relapses are on whose birthday? Because when they do get themselves clean and get together, even for like months or even a year, Mm -hmm. and they start working and progressing in their rehabilitation, it takes it only it only takes one time for Mm -hmm. them to relapse for them to for it to kill them. Because their bodies have, you know, their bodies have have cleanness of off of the drugs, and so when they redo a redo a drug they've not done in so long, it's in a shock, it's in a shock to their bodies, and it kills them instantly. So it's sad that people who who try hard to to fight this addiction and and, and they, they they get around the wrong crowd and they get temptation. Temptation is strong, and mm-hmm. just seeing the drug or even smelling the drug. The, the 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 will they have or had to not do it is overtaken by the temptation and the the opportunity to oh I can take it one I can hit it one more time or I can I can sniff it one more time it's not gonna hurt but it does because it ends up killing them so it, it's mm-hmm. that's the sad part about it because they all have families they all have children they that's all, for who died know. on their birthday huh Frankie died on her birthday. On her, her daughter's birthday. birthday. Her, yeah, her 61st birthday. She died on her 61st birthday. Oh, which is, God. Oh. Yes. So oh, that that was that, that was the most when I when 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 they broke, she died. That was the most haunting thing for me to <clears> die that she born. Like that's the most haunting thing to hear somebody die that they were given oh, life. And she just had turned 61 at a party. She um somebody at the party, I would assume, brought the drug or brought around her and I was like where were the people where was her kids like where were the people that care for her that know she was going through a struggle like why would y'all allow or allow her to be even in the vicinity of drugs I did not know something that she's going through I think she's going through and that's what that's what frustrates me because in all these scenarios we see like somebody's bringing them the drugs somebody's going to get it for them they're not just you know going themselves they're sending people Mm -hmm. they have money so they're sending people people coming around them and People that's supposed to, people that they that should be their uh, love of them, that should be guarding them and protecting them, mm. aren't doing that. And we see, we've seen that, and it's sad. You but know, you know what okay. you said, Isaiah, that resonated with me and it brought up a memory. What's that? I have. I'm talking about the darkness, and sometimes people mm-hmm. just being the light, but they get consumed mm-hmm. by the darkness. That is addiction. Mm-hmm. I had an uncle. His name is Uncle Papo. Mm-hmm. He was the funniest. You mother, you know what? <laughs> he every time he came around, I used to like these little cube caramel candies that came in a transparent wrapper when I was younger. Oh my god, I think I know what little candies you're talking about. <laughs> and I do too. He always right. used to give me those candies, mm-hmm. but um, later on, I found out you know, he was here today, gone tomorrow mm-hmm. for me as a child. And I later on found out that my uncle had a very bad heroin addiction. Wow. And but mind you, he was the life of the party. He can salsa his ass off. Very, <laughs> very good looking man. Beautiful, nice brown skin, beautiful white teeth, pupil, head full of jet black hair. Um, and he was always so funny. And I remember vividly um um he came to my parents' house or my grandparents' house in Panama. And I, uh, my parents, my mother, five side of the family is very like gaudy. So um, mm-hmm. my grandmother had bought me a, a, a Panamanian chain 
because mm-hmm. Panama is known for having go- um, very nice gold. Mm-hmm. It was Panamanian gold chain, and um, I had a, a ring, two rings. And I remember my uncle, oh, say, you know, oh, come here, nephew, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. My uncle took me to the bathroom and took those chain, took that chain, and took those gold rings, and he stole it from me. <laughs> Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what addicts do. That's what they do. Oh, and man. then I remember my uncle stealing my grandma's television. I remember oh, him yes. going into my grandmother's jewelry box. And yes, they do. Stealing. And you know, I got in some serious trouble for taking those down for not taking for I'm losing my jewelry. And I was like, this motherfucker. But I didn't say anything because it was my uncle right. and he was funny and he will um, provide me these um caramel treats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then later on, he passed away of AIDS through his heroin use. Mm-hmm. He contracted AIDS and my uncle just, you know, you what you know, the you know, whatever AIDS does to you. Right. That's what he t- he went through that whole process, and I was like, "Wow!" And as an adult, I processed. You know, my uncle was an addict. That does not mean that my uncle was not the bee's knees. Mm-hmm. It does not mean that my uncle was not the shit. Mm-hmm. It does not mean that all those experiences that I had with him that were positive were not true. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, my uncle had a disease, and he let this disease consume him you know the disease consumed him the darkness consumed him mm-hmm. and like i tell you there is no man i've ever seen be able to dance salsa like him <laughs> wow up to this day wow <laughs> and speaking of your uncle um you know my my on my dad's side that that side mm-hmm. is, is a, a, a his siblings were had heavy addictions to um a lot of his siblings to two two uh drugs and my father and my uncle they're my dad's a baby boy. My uncle is like next to the baby, so they're really, really close. And both of them had uh, addictions to cocaine and were really heavy alcoholics. And my dad was very abusive. Both of them were abusive, but my mm-hmm. dad was very abusive to my mother and very, very abusive to me and my brother as a child. So we witnessed him when he would get drunk and he would get high. Like he would be a completely different person. Like he's like he would turn mm-hmm. to like his demonic like he was like demonic almost like he was like another person and he would be you know said basically business to my mom and he would you know tear stuff up in the house and like and he would steal 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 the tvs and steal our furniture and steal jewelry and sell it to get this cocaine because that's what they do um and he you know he did it for ugh, half my uh child childhood and part of my um uh adolescent age you know he was heavily into drugs and you know, I mean, it got bad. Like, he was in and out. He went to prison multiple times. Like, he went to rehab a couple of times. That didn't work. And, you know, once he moved, he moved to another state. He moved to Kansas. And then moving there kind of helped him. Because where, where we live down here in Arkansas, it was he, it's, people that he knew did drugs. He could get away from it. So he had to move himself mm. so he could so he could be away from it. And... Thankfully, my father, he's been over four or five years now clean, sober, um, and from those drugs, he didn't touch the drug in a long time, and I'm thankful for that because, you know, we, I didn't think he, I didn't think he would even overcome it because it was such a heavy addiction. Like, mm-hmm. I've seen him actually do it. Like, first time mm-hmm. I saw him do it, I was um, 15. I looked at the window, I looked at the window of my aunt's house, and I seen him, my uncle, sitting on the porch, actually hitting the pipe, and I've never seen him do drugs, never seen him do it. So when I seen him do it, like seeing him actually do it, I was stunned because I'm like, this mm-hmm. is gotten out of control. So um, 
yeah, so him finally now, his age now finally at this present time, not having an addiction. I'm grateful for, but my uncle is still going through it. He is almost 60, mm. um, and he's still like going like he's 20, 25, like he's still doing drugs, still doing cocaine, he's still you know drinking, and he's still a heavy alcoholic, he's still that same abusive person that he was 20, 30 years ago. He's not slowing down, and it's like, mm-hmm. not, and we, you know, you can't. You can't change him. You can't make him stop. You know, we we talk to him. You know, you can we talk to him and have conversations, share our concerns. But they have to be have to want to stop and have to see that it's a problem. He doesn't see it as a part that it's a problem. He doesn't. He knows he has an addiction, but he doesn't see it as a problem. He doesn't see that what he's doing is like concerning that he should slow down. He's he doesn't see that. He's not willing to acknowledge that. So you know, we had to we had to come to realization that you know all we can do at this point is just you know. I obviously talk to Black Jesus, sit our prayers to Black Jesus, yeah. and let Black yeah. Jesus, you know, take control of the situation. Let him, let him handle him, and let him, you know, whatever he's gonna do, he's gonna do for my uncle. But you know, mm-hmm. we we can't, you can't make somebody change, and it's sad because he's watching him constantly do these drugs. And it's like I, he, like I told him before, I'm like, uncle, like you're you're not young anymore. Like your body's only gonna take so much more of this abuse before it completely wipes out on you. Yeah. Like you're not realizing that you're not young. Like, like your body takes it takes more time to bounce back from mm-hmm. the trauma of the abuse of drugs, and you're near sixty. Like he, like you need to understand this. Like your body only can handle so much abuse. You like you see these people that, that, that you've known mm-hmm. die from drug overdoses. Like he, those people die of drug mm-hmm. overdoses in his family and friends. So you know people who've done die, and you still like this careless attitude. Like it could happen to you if you don't stop. And it's just unfortunate because, like many people, their battle continues, and people they still go to this. So it, it's sad knowing knowing mm-hmm. someone you love is still in this battle and is unwilling to, right now, try to overcome those demons of addiction. Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations to your father, and let's Absolutely. wish him many, many more years of sobriety and yes, thank you. being thank present you. and healthy. Absolutely, thank you. Many, many more years. And let's hope and wish and pray for that that for your uncle. Yes, yes. thank you. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, addiction ain't no joke. It all. It's really not. The, I mean, you know, it's... And while I don't have any um, in my, you know, in my immediate family or, or extended that I know of, and I say yeah. that, I know, that I know of because, mm-hmm. again you know, circling back to there's a lot of people that suffer in silence. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You know, and I think and that's why I always kind of use that as kind of a a hey, like, just because I don't, I don't know that, you know, experience and, you know, again, no one that I know of like in my, within my family like that knows that experience. It doesn't mean that I should show any less compassion and understanding um, and empathy for that because, you know, there are, you know, I have known people that have not made it through, you know, their addiction. Uh Um, And the thing is, you know, in some cases you don't realize it until, you know, you'll see this person here and there, Hey, how are, you know, and, and they're just, again, it's that when I was speaking about that, just the the a person shining like that and being so 
just every time you see them it's like so good to see them like they just make you just beam like it's so that was from a a personal experience with the person that I knew um and that's what I felt every time I would see them it was just you know you would never know you would never know that they were suffering in silence and battling this alone you know um and so the loss of that was just like wow you know and you ask yourself you know wow like you know you turn sometimes you'll turn it around yourself and go okay well I wish I would have known that but then it's not healthy to think that way also because there's nothing you could have done unfortunately there's nothing at all you could have done the the things you could have done you would have done had you had the information at the time, but you didn't. And so you can't hold yourself in this space as if you were supposed to, you know what I mean? Because there's, Mm -hmm. there's no way, but um, my heart just goes out to anyone suffering in silence. And I just really hope that my wish is that people continue to open up about what they're going through Mm -hmm. and to know that they don't have to sit in it by themselves And that's anything, you know, that's anything that you are struggling with, whether that be mental health or mental health, I'm sorry, mental, mental health, can't speak tonight, (laughs) or um, substance abuse. You know, I think that's one of the beautiful things that you mentioned to Theo that people are doing more of people are talking about their mental health, people are talking about substance abuse, people are talking about generational trauma, or traumas that they've experienced, you know, that are that are not generational necessarily that are tied to an experience that they had. Um, And you know, also, mm -hmm. people need to let's be mindful Mm -hmm. about how when someone is, or how judgy we might and um, come off. Yeah, I've seen people, and I am guilty of this as well. I am like guilty of your, this as well. It's like as, mind your verbiage. Like, yeah, you know. I, I, someone told me that, that I've been guilty of that. And once again, I've grown from that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't know better. Now that I know better, I do better. And I make amends for that not knowing. Mm-hmm. So I'll go, oh, you do heroin? You know, I have an issue with heroin. Ugh, you, heroin? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, you know, I like, um, you know, I have, I, I'm an alcoholic. I have an issue with alcohol. Alcohol. Mm. <laughs> like, you know, and that can sometimes cause a ripple effect and uh, someone who's an addict's life. Oh, true. And it, it could cause more oh, harm yeah. than good. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I definitely agree. Agree with that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's all about, like you said, the, the verbiage and how you, what you say. It, when you're around them, if you become a knowledge of that, because I had to learn it, because you know I would say like mm-hmm. they had the same reaction and not realizing, yeah, that could send them send them even more spiraling, because they already know what they're doing is bad, they know what True. they're doing is disgusting. So for some for me to say it and like internalize and, and put it out there is that mm-hmm. it's like okay, I'm really up, now I'm making it worse because now they're gonna yeah. really do, go deeper in it. Like okay, mm-hmm. I know it's disgusting now my nephew son or whatever saying it to me is disgusting so now i'm really going to get deep in it so yeah it that, mm-hmm. it, that is a, a thing that i think everyone needs to not just us but everyone who has people who are they deal with who are uh dealing with addiction has to be mindful of because what you keep what you say can be more detrimental to the person absolutely. addiction absolutely i think it's just you know like and like 
you know, just like these kind of like realizations, you know, where like it hits us like, wait a minute, like we can choose, you know, not to sound like Pollyanna here, but like, I think people forget, like you can, you don't have to wake up and choose violence with your words. <laughs> you can wake up, and, right? Like you can wake up and for real, like you can, you can wake up and be kind because you don't know what somebody's battling silently. You have no idea what happened before you met them on that page in that chapter in that book of their life. You just happen to walk in on that part. And that's why you should never walk in on somebody's chapter and judge them for what you see, because you don't know what happened one through eight or so on. You know what I mean? It's, it's just important to try to like make the effort to see people as not just one dimensional and one note, even if it's a stranger, because you don't know what's behind those eyes. There's no idea until you people open up and they feel like they live in an environment in a society where they can say, hey, I'm having a hard time today. You know what I mean? Or, hey, I'm I'm not actually doing that. OK, today that it's OK to not be OK sometimes, you know, like everything, yep. everything's not hunky dory all the time or every day, um, you know, like and it's all right. It's all right. And there's somebody to listen to you and there's somebody that's here for you you know what I mean and maybe it's not this first person you run into or the second person but maybe it's some random stranger that you see in the middle of the day and they're gonna sit and they're gonna listen to you and somebody's gonna offer you the help you need and if they don't it's available somewhere you know what I mean I think that's that's the thing you know a lot of people might feel like okay well there's help in this space but there's not help in that space and it's like hey there should be you should be able to turn in a full 360 degree like full 360 degrees and have help at all angles and people rooting for you to win the fight against the demon that you're battling that day and any demon that you have once again addiction does not have a race does not have a gender does not have a creed addiction affects everyone indiscriminate it once again is a disease just like cancer just like whatever it's not you go, oh, only this kind of people get this and only this kind of people everyone mm-hmm. this disease does not discriminate if that if that was if the formula was that simple that these kind of people these kinds of things make you have an addiction then we would have found the formula we would have found the cure for it anyone can be an addict anyone around you can be an addict anyone can suffer from this disease our job as folks that don't you know that isn't our plight in life because we all have something Mm -hmm. is to be supportive to be uh to affirm them to see them to allow let them know that they're not alone you don't need to suffer in silence to show grace to be forgiving, to be empowering, and also give them the tools to empower them. Because God knows the wrong thing can cause, you know, just, I can just imagine, oh my God, you know, I can't even, I can't even imagine losing a loved one that you, you know, that you, you know, you've admired because of an addiction, because of something you could have said, or shoulda, coulda, woulda, and all, you know, just a plethora of things that just boggles my mind. 
Well, you know mm-hmm. that 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 is that that is true. You know, it, the 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 crazy thing about it is, me and my uncle, like we have, we are, I'm closer to him than I am my own father because my father was not a part of my life, like mm-hmm. fully. Like my father lived. My uncle, he actually really asked my uncle to step in as a father figure for me. So he mm-hmm. was that father figure for me, even though he has. A, I never looked at him, even my, even though I was aware of his addictions, I never looked at him and just him. On, on those addictions, I looked at him mm-hmm. as my uncle. So even when he was going through his stuff, and I've been around him when he was high, not high, and so I just I said, this, this, "This is my uncle. This is my uncle." It, you know, and it, I looked, I never looked, looked at him and judged him as a, I never looked at him or judged him or labeled him as an addict because I didn't see that. I just see is I, all I see is my uncle, and I know my uncle just my uncle likes to have fun, and so mm-hmm. he's when he was he was when as a kid when he was high. That's my fun uncle. When he was not high, he was my fun uncle. So it was never. So we also had a close relationship, and we've had moments where we just sat. Um, when he was sober, and he had the most beautiful conversations. Like he would open up to me, and we talk about his childhood because my grandfather um, was a deacon in the church, but he, a deacon in church, but he had his own addictions. He was an alcoholic, oh, wow. and he was abusive to my uh, to my uncle and my dad's mother. He was abusive to her. So mm-hmm. when, when learning that, I've seen this cycle. And unfortunately, they repeated the cycle as chill as their adult self that their father started. It trickled down to the cycle, and so me and my cousins, um, we are we made it a a, a a mission to not repeat that cycle of abuse or or drugs or being addicts and like that. So we made a conscious effort to not repeat that cycle, and that's something we always have uh, done because we didn't we want to break that cycle because we don't want to raise children. And and they repeat the cycle from us repeating the cycle. We had to break it somewhere, and so you know those conversations I have my uncle I cherish because we are close, and I look at him as like a second father because he made he had his flaws. He's not perfect, but he was he was like a father to me. Like uh, like mm-hmm. our our relationship, like I'm closer to him, and then like we have a relationship that's like more closer than his own children, which is weird because he has children, but like. We have a connection to weird, own children. Yeah, that's not, I don't think that's weird. I'm sorry to interject. I don't think that's mm-hmm. weird at all, though, because sometimes you, it just hit, hits like that. Like sometimes you're just, you just understand each other and you connect with each other, like in a way that you just don't sometimes with the other kid, you know, even if they're yours, but it's, and it's like you're his child anyway, you know. True. But you know, yeah. and it, it's, it's blood. Yeah, it, it's absolutely. True. And I and that is true. And I think that I think for me, we're just like because as kids, you know, you know, you you have a parent and they connect or close to one of your siblings or relatives. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, it, it inserts some jealousy or some unnecessary, oh, you know, yeah. some, you know. Yeah. So for me, I was like, you know, I, I, you know, didn't I was I would try my best not to um, let that affect our relationship because I, I mean, I never let it affect it. But I was like, I was conscious of the fact that. I know it's you know my cousins probably are kind of like a little bit jealous because me and our dad we talk we help we sit outside and have conversations and he shares stories with me of his upbringing or what he went through as a been through as a, a child adult things mm-hmm. he went through you know and so I understand his story and, and that's that's what I'm I've always been afraid of because I don't want to lose him and that's something that always sits me every day like I don't want to get that phone call that something happened to him because my uncle just. He this addiction is 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 so serious. So send somebody, and I'm living. Send somebody go to that, and they just you never know where. Like sometimes he just has these 
he goes on these random tangents where he just uh, get in the car and go, and you may not hear from him for may not hear from him for two or three days. Mm-hmm. So it's you know it's just addiction stuff is scary because you just don't know. Yeah. You just don't know. And you know, and again, it's scary, and the pandemic made it even scarier. Quarantining made it even scarier. Mm-hmm. Like you could have been. You know, whatever issues that were causing the addiction and the disease could have always been present, but there's something about this ugliness that Corona brought with it outside of just a physical disease that has caused a ripple effects of things psychologically, physically, and even spiritually. I agree. I don't, you know, if some people who've had, who've been sober for 10 years, for decades, Corona brought them back to that dark place for some people. And again, this is the time to show grace. Oh, yeah. And compassion. compassion. Exacerbated a lot of, I I think, and you hit the nail on the head there with, um, I, I was just like straight through agreeing with that because you hit the nail on the head with what happened with this pandemic. It really... I'm surprised like I didn't say this in the beginning, but it really forced you to be, and you said a version of this as well, Theo, like it forced you to be introspective and to confront some things that you didn't make time to or didn't have time to confront before. Uh And you were forced to go, okay, if I haven't been looking inside all along, I'm about to, I'm going to learn today. Like, you know what I mean? Like you had to, because there was, you were, even if you were, you were quarantined with family or with people, like you still were inside. I mean, for the most part. And so it, you know, and obviously depending on your your level of essential work and, and that kind of thing, but you still had a lot more time with just you to really hear yourself think. And I think, you know, for some people, like you said, for some people that's, that was good. And you came out a better person for that some people i feel like you know they were a little bit of both it it brought some ugly things to the surface and it also helped you know it healed some things and then in really unfortunate cases it caused a lot of people to relapse because there weren't the resources and because the demon became a lot bigger when it was just you and that demon and not you and your support system and that demon yeah you know, locked, so. and then locked in the room. You gotta, you gotta look at that too. Like being in the house and you know, mm-hmm. every day in a room, you can't go anywhere, you can't do anything. You look at the wall, four walls that you have to live in every day, like mm-hmm. you said, and you in a room with that demon and demons in your head telling you, go get that, go get that drink, go get mm-hmm. that pipe, get, find a way to get out of here. You know, you, and then you, your mind is like it playing with you. So then at that point, you like, you know, you know, you need something to help deal with this pandemic, like you said, dealing with being quarantined, how else can someone deal with it that's dealing with addiction and, you know, that drug helps them cope with things like this when they're stressed. Because the quarantine is stressful. It's stressful. Oh, yeah. So, right. Everybody deals with stress differently and people who have addictions went to those addictions, a lot of them, to cope with stress and stress of life. So, mm-hmm. you, like you said, the quarantine itself was a, a stressor to the 10th power. So, those people who were playing mm-hmm. sober for 10 years, a year, five years, 
that's the stress of the quarantine set them back. And they went and got that drug to help them cope with it, the cope with this last year, the cope with this 2021, the cope with this year. They've been mm-hmm. doing these drugs to help them cope with life because at this point, you, you, so much just keeps happening. Oh, yeah. They can't handle it. They can't handle the real reality right now. So they need something to take them out of reality for the, for the moment. Take them to another space in their mind for the moment. And those drugs mm-hmm. does it. And you know what you said, Jasper, too, like, like the fact that all of these things, that that's another like really great point. Like people that, that are not, that don't, are not dealing with addiction are not struggling with this disease. Um, you know, like, like ourselves, we find it hard enough managing and, and mitigating and, and trying to figure out where all of these pieces fit from all of the things that we've experienced, you know, in the past like year and a half, two years. Right. So imagine trying to figure out where your emotions sit and, and just situation after situation after world event, after world event, after world event, and then compound that on top of, on, on top of a disease that you're battling like that that's a lot and it's just trigger after trigger after trigger for some people too mm-hmm. you know so it's like okay when am i going to get a breather like i'm tired of fighting and then that's what happens where you relapse and you give in because you're just like I- i'm so exhausted of pushing back against this because i don't have the support system or support team that i had before all of these things started happening back to back to back like this it just makes it a lot harder definitely a lot a lot harder, and like you said, you know, this is just a time for us to, you know, people, us to, like, you know, to come together and, and, and like, to show compassion, show some, 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 show that you, you have a, a, you know, that you have a heart, that you, that you can be the, the understanding and not criticize or judge, not look down, but just understand, show compassion, show some caring, because, they need it right now more than mm-hmm. we need it. You know, those people battling those addictions definitely need that because they're dealing with things in their head that we only can imagine. Mm-hmm. That we only can imagine what's going through in their mind every day, every time they every time they wake up, they or go to sleep. They're dealing with these demons. They having these nightmares. They can't or they can't sleep, and they're up dealing with the demons in their head that's telling them to do mm-hmm. to, to go and try to do these drugs to go and and get high and go get the fix they need and they're trying to fight it and try not to give it to temptation mm-hmm. and you know they need support they need love they need you know they need they need to be supported more now they'll be dealing with this especially dealing with this pandemic and all this we got going on in this world right now they definitely need it even more to be embraced and uplifted and encouraged Absolutely. Amen. Amen. I couldn't put it that even uh, any better. <laughs> Honestly, that was great. So it, we want to just let everyone know out there again, if you are experiencing a dark time, if you're mm-hmm. dealing with an addiction, if you know anyone that's dealing with an addiction, um, this number here, Isaiah. Will yeah, absolutely. So, um, also, and I forgot to add earlier, um, you can also, uh, reach this website, um, if internet, uh, is easier for you, 
um, on www.samhsa.gov. That's www.samhsa.gov. And that's going to be the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. Um, Remember, you can call them at 1-800-662-HELP. Help is going to be 4357. That's 1-800-662-HELP, 4357. It's free, confidential, 24-7, 365-day-a-year treatment referral and information service. Um, and if you or someone you know is suffering or battling with any disease, whether that be substance abuse or mental, please call that number, um, hop online. And if you're listening right now and you want to slide into our DM, honestly, because you need to talk, please accept that invitation to do that as well. Because I think, you know, sometimes it starts in one small space to try and help build a better community with communication um, and to be able to help everybody feel comfortable to talk about the things they're going through within society. And RIP to Michael K. Williams, who lost his battle this week with this disease. Absolutely. RIP to those we've lost, who've lost the battle to this disease. And for those who are still battling the disease, much love, much support. Keep pushing, keep fighting. Just keep fighting. Stay strong. Stay strong. You got it. Until next time. Until next time, everybody. (laughs) Night, everyone. We fall down, but we get up. We fall down, but we get up. We fall down, but we get up. Oh, yes. For a saint is just a sinner who fell down. But we couldn't stay there. And God, say now, we fall down, but we get up, we fall down, but we get up, we fall down, oh my, 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 we get back up again, for a sinner, yes, we are. But we can't stay there. There's a seed of righteousness inside of you. Oh, we say now. But we get back up again. We fall down sometimes. But we get back up again. Yes, we do. We rise back up again. For the
on, no matter what you've done. You can get back up again. Get back up again. No matter how far you fall. You can get back up again. He's waiting on you. Just get back up again. Arms open wide, run to his arms. 